KHAN is supported in part by Little Red Hen Bakery, located at 302 G Street in downtown Salida. Little Red Hen specializes in hometown fresh-baked bread, bagels, and treats, all made with organic and local ingredients. A full menu, including the wood-fired oven schedule and daily specials, can be found on their Facebook page at Little Red Hen Salida. K-Hen and Little Red Hen, just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida. K-Hen is supported in part by Little Red Hen Bakery, located at 302 G Street in downtown Salida. Little Red Hen specializes in hometown fresh-baked bread, bagels, and treats, all made with organic and local ingredients. A full menu, including the wood-fired oven schedule and daily specials, can be found on their Facebook page at Little Red Hen Salida. K-Hen and Little Red Hen, just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida. Welcome, friends, to another edition of On the Rails with me, your conductor, Forrest Whitman. <laughs> we want to welcome you to the old Cahen caboose today. Uh, get get yourself situated there. Find a, as, as soft a seat as you can find in a caboose. If you want to climb up in the angel seat, you can look out and see, the, um, see all the panorama as we roll down the rails here. Our, uh, our engineer, Rick White is up in the front and we want to get him involved in this discussion today with our very special guest who is randy herrick stair and he's been talking in the first half at great length about all the things that he used to do when he worked for the railroad the ways he he fixed telegraph poles the way he uh, got around the got around the high tariffs (laughs) by taking a Taking a train trip from Salt Lake City to Denver, oh my God, what what a what a difficult thing that must have been, especially going through the Moffat Tunnel. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that it's a good thing he survived going through the Moffat Tunnel, but he sure understood what the hobo's life was really like after being out there for a while, and why the hobos like to stay drunk part of the time just because it was <laughs> it was difficult. It was difficult. But anyway, so welcome back, Randy. Well, let's kind of pick up where we left off. Well, last time we left off, you were busy replacing telegraph poles along the great and mighty uh, Denver and Rio Grande Western. And um, how many how many of those telephone poles? And uh, do you, do you think maybe you can remember replacing? Uh, a lot of them, a few of them. Uh, <laughs> we didn't re- replace them very often. We're mostly st- what we called stubbing. We put a, a short pole adjacent to the old pole that was deteriorated and band them together with steel bands. How many? Oh, hundreds. Uh, hundreds. And you had quite an adventure there in the Salt Lake City yards with uh, armed Law enforcement coming through, pointing a shotgun at you, uh, and you were scared. I would, I would have been scared. Oh, yeah. I was scared. I didn't expect that. That's part of my adventure. But and they were looking for an escaped prisoner. Did 
Did you ever meet any escaped prisoners out there on the rails? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. But it, it does touch on an aspect of the hobo life, which is fear. Uh, I, several people came in the boxcar, shared in the boxcar with me or the flat car with me. And yet we had no interaction. There was this uh, arm's length treatment of one another. And I think it was simply fear. Now, apparently at night in the hobo camps, sitting around the campfire, sometimes they would, somebody would get busy and they'd make a big pot of mulligan stew and people would dip their cups in and, and share that. Apparently after a while, some camaraderie would, would happen. But uh, as you say, a, a lot of the time it wasn't. A lot of the time they were kind of afraid of each other and running from something. Kind of uh, along the lines of some of our homeless people in this uh, society that we live in. They don't quite fit in. And, right. uh, and those would be the one, well, not, not necessarily, but it's kind of the same idea. They have a hard time fitting in socially. And they find a home on the rails. And uh, Forrest, have you ever had to... Uh, jump a freight train or did you always have a job? Well, part of my job was jumping freight trains. Back in my day, we did a lot of flat switching and you'd get a, boy, I'll tell you what, you'd kick a car down the lead there and you ran along beside it with your lantern on uh, in the crook of your elbow because you wanted them to know where you were. And, and you had to hang on with one hand, reach under there, pull the pin uh, with the other so that and then the engineer would you wiggle your bladder as much as you could then he'd slam on the brakes and then that way you would kick the cars in front of you down to where the field man was you could see his lantern down there where he was lining it up and so that's that's what you do and sometimes these the, when you pull the pin it was there was a kind of a handle on there and it it uh, released the couple and the couple opened and but sometimes you'd pull the pin, the engineer would slam on the brakes, and nothing. It would still they were still sticking on there. So then you'd and he would hate this. You'd do a, you'd back it all up, walk back a ways, and then you'd try it again because that was pretty much all you could do. Second time usually seemed to work. So uh, and it didn't it didn't happen very often, but. Well, I remember one time I did have a mean conductor. Very rare did you get a mean one, but this guy was mean. Boy, he just, he'd kind of take off on you if, if you weren't kicking them down, you know, in good order. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. do you mind if I uh, slide a story in here? And it has to do with uh, kind of hoboing. And this is uh, with a gentleman you know, Forrest. And uh, I think he should be a guest in the next coming weeks for us, Mr. Brian Benedetti. Brian yes. Benedetti was hitchhiking from one place to another one time, and he'd stood all day long, couldn't get a ride. And he found the local train yard, and he was directed toward an engine heading in the right direction. And I wouldn't say that he was perfectly hosted, but uh, a man came up and said, get in the second car, the second engine on that train right there. 
And he did. And there's apparently, and you know this, Flores, um, there's a door and a little bit of bunking. Um, there's kind of a place where people can ride. And he said he had a very comfortable ride to his destination by train. What water cooler in there? Yeah, okay. As well. And the seats more comfortable than yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty nice, pretty nice ride. Yeah, that's the other thing about the hobos. They tended to ride in the engines, in the units as we call them. Mm-hmm. They if they could. They if especially if there were three or four units, they could get in the the last one and not you know, they didn't bother anybody. <clears throat> uh, one of our hobos that we had on this show, as a matter of fact, Hobo Wayne, he, he said a lot of them had a radio in there so you could listen to a ball game or things <laughs> 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 like And I, I, don't, I do not remember that, but uh, he said, yeah. So that was, that was the nice part of the hobo life. Are there windows in that room, Forrest? Uh, it's not exactly a room. It's there's sort of a divider oh, I between see. the the operating end and and the back and it it uh, but uh, yeah it's it's uh, you know it's there's it's seats. I mean they're sort of I don't remember. I think they kind of reclined. I don't know, but a couple of soft seats back there where deadhead engineers would sure deadhead firemen would do. do we still had a lot of firemen. Well, a lot of we they were quickly going away, but we we had some that you know, they had the seniority, had to do something with them. Yeah. Unlike modern railroading, which is totally focused on cutting everything they can cut. All the crews they want to cut as much as they can because they're busy. The class one railroads are busy showing Wall Street that they have pared things down, that they're running a lean operation Man. so they and and the result is a lot of times they can't move the trains because they don't have any any redundant to cruise and um so that's sort of what, what we've gotten or come to with yeah. the big class ones well it sounds like those seats are a little bit more comfortable than what uh, randy was telling us about his yes. boxcar yes. experience yeah ah. nobody, told me, nobody told me the boxcar was going to vibrate <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, how did you overcome that vibration in the boxcar? You, you, you had to stand up, first of all, and then you couldn't lock your knees because the vibration would just travel right up through your legs and your spine to your head. So you had to stand up and bend your knees and sway with the boxcar. It's uncomfortable yeah. after an hour or so of it. Well, and I don't know. Uh, uh, speaking of the units, a lot would depend on the who well on on the really the engineer who was in that unit. If he didn't like hobos being back there, why he wouldn't let you on. He he let you know, but I I don't know. I never experienced them, but there were some who would do that. But nobody in any case would call the cinder dicks because if you call the cinder dicks, then you were really in trouble. Then you had to fill out a report. <laughs> they had to say that they apprehended an unauthorized writer, they'd have to go through all that. Then you'd have to sign it and you'd be sitting out there. You could easily spend an hour just filling out the damn reports. <laughs> then at the end of that, what they would do, they would say to this hobo now, um, we're, gonna re- we're gonna turn you into the local police. So then they'd wait while the local police would come. The local police would typically, 
put them in the back of some squad car and uh, drive them down to the edge of the yards, wherever it was, open the door and say, now don't do that again. <laughs> After all of that. So uh, now there were exceptions. Apparently the Denver yards kind of had a very bad reputation for having the uh, local police actually take people down to the jail and make them spend the night in jail, <clears throat> which probably wasn't all bad. I mean, probably a chance to get a shower or whatever. But for, as far as I know, Denver didn't charge them with anything, but they would just uh, all the men. But they did. Denver had Denver cops had a eh, kind of a bad reputation for being a little mean to hobos. So part of the fun. Of course, Randy, as an employee, I'm sure. Did you get to know a lot? Of, you probably got to know a lot of the over the road personnel. I, I imagine you got to know quite a few people that, who just worked around there. Yeah, we got to know the people in the yards pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. But my experience is yeah. parallels yours is that the employees of the DNRG were indifferent to hobos. Yep. Until somebody got hurt out there, then then it would change. Yeah. For sure. I have this uh this is a boxcar story. Um in Northern California, there's a place called the Feather River Canyon, and it's near the town of Chico. And the college students used to like to go to the top of the canyon and hitch the, uh, uh, the boxcars and trains coming down through the canyon back. And my sister did this one time. And when my dad found out, <laughs> he was kind of mad. He said, you know, first of all, it's a good way to get hurt. And, yeah. and if those, uh, what did you, uh, if those cinder dicks fo follow you yeah. or find you, you could be in some major trouble. Yeah. And, and so she, I don't think she ever did it again, but I remember driving through that Feather River Canyon and it's a beautiful place. Um, I remember seeing young people in these uh, empty rail cars with the doors uh. open. <clears throat> So I guess Out for the sister, she could be a guest on this show and tell us her hobo <laughs> experience. Well, I'd love, Rick, I'd love to get your sister on there. <laughs> We'd, she'd be fun on this show. That's for sure. Yeah, she, she's, she worked for one of those railroads for a little bit. Um, I, I kind of passed that, but my brothers and sisters, um, they had a little bit of time at Corwith Yard um in outside of chicago and yeah we're kind of we're kind of on to something here for us i think we're on to something uh, yeah for some future shows yeah. but let's get back to randy a little bit yes. and get more of his experiences um as as a lineman out there and now you were saying that you had a few mishaps occasionally with uh unreeling uh the actual line from trucks was that it, or how no, did that go? Getting the getting the poles into a vertical format because they lay them out, and you got to get the pole up vertical. And so there was a, a drill rig that was used for a lot of it because it could haul them up vertically and drop them down vertically. But if that wasn't available, there were the pickup trucks that the foreman had had a headache bar on the back of the bed with a spool on it. And so you could back the pickup truck up to the top of the pole, put the pole in the spool. And then as you backed up the pickup truck, you would raise the pole into a vertical format and it would drop into the hole because you put the butt of the 
hole by the hole and back it up. And once in Salt Lake City and again in, in Glenwood Springs, uh, I saw the same accident happen twice where they got the pole partway. By the way, the hard part was keeping the hole solid because you would put bars and stuff so that the butt of the pole could slide down, but the holes were were not firm. They were cobble fields or they make big holes. And so the pickup would back up and the pole would in, rise into a more vertical position and we'd get to a point where the weight of the top end of the pole was in excess of what the people at the butt could hold on to. And the pole came crashing down on the truck sending the butt up in the air, sending the crew flying. Oh, it happened once once in Salt Lake City and once <clears throat> next year in Glenwood Springs. In Glenwood Springs, they, they aggravated matters because they were too lazy to put the glass on the crossbars up in the vertical format. So they, while it was on the ground, they loaded the top end of the pole with all the glass. So the top oh end God. of the pole was much heavier than it normally would be. And again, and I was standing off to the side telling this guy, you know, Whoa. we were doing this last summer, and just about then is when it happened. Mm. Oh, the gosh. On the second truck got smashed by the pole. Oh, my goodness. And you had to run. You had to get out of the way. Well, the people uh, was... in the butt end of the pole, because which was coming up as the top end yeah. was down, were, were at risk. You know, sure. I would think so. I would think so. I would think that they ran. And I would imagine there were a few uh, uh, phrases exchanged uh, around that situation. Chagrin at the people in charge. Yeah, but Forrest, we need to keep within the, uh, there are seven words that can't be used on these uh, broadcasts. By, yeah, I mean, we know that. By the FCC. We've been talked to about this before. Yes. <laughs> Have I violated that rule? Uh, I don't think so. We have editing capabilities in these uh, uh, Zoom meetings. Uh, bleep me out. <laughs> oh, God. I don't think he said, I don't remember him saying one of the, one of the bad words. And, and some of the ones that are bad words, to me, just don't seem that bad at all. But that's, that's okay. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a railroad show, but it's also a family <laughs> show. That's so, right. Hey, I've you know. looked at that list, and uh, some of those words make me blush. Oh, wow, really? Well, I better look at the list sometime. <laughs> we, we'll post it here in the caboose. Yeah. We'll, we'll post it next to the, what do we call the crapper? The, we can't say that. Next to the restroom. Yes. We'll post it next to the restroom. There we go. Which, my goodness. Well, uh, so much happens out there on the rails. And now we're moving into a new era. Uh, I, I think uh, Amtrak is sort of stepping up to the bat here and going to be increasing their service, um, making the Class 1 railroads nervous because they aren't too thrilled with some of the plans Amtrak has for, well, the Denver area would be a good example. Uh, Amtrak wants to run three trains a day from Trinidad uh, all the way up to Denver, um, all the way, uh, well, all the way through uh, Pueblo, all the way through uh, uh, Coel, across the upper, the upper highland high line there, then uh, to Union Station, then from Union Station 
they want to run up to Boulder. From Boulder, they want to run straight north to Greeley. And from Greeley, all the way to Wyoming. And Amtrak's got some money to do some of these things. And um, there, there is existing rail out there. But they're going to have a hard time convincing Class 1 rail to let them onto their lines. They may have to end up at the very least building a lot of sidings out there, I would think. But that's something I'd like to do. I mean, we have good bus service from uh, Salida to Pueblo. Sure. I'd enjoy taking the bus up to Pueblo, hopping on a train and going to, I don't know, Cheyenne, let's say, and not having to sit in traffic for three hours getting through Metro Denver. So some of those are some of their some of their plans. Um, they have upgraded they a lot of their rolling stock right now. So and most people are in most people uh, don't book a bedroom. Most people just sit up and they have very nice reclining seats. They're big. They're three or four times bigger than an airline or, oh, yeah. or a commercial bus seat. So, you know, um, you get a I think plugs. it's I think. Yeah. Well, I think that that um, I think it might work and Amtrak is talking about doing it. Yeah. So and one we'll of, have to see. One of your guests here recently, Forrest, was telling us that Amtrak has an order and they are filling this order for something like 90 new locomotives. For, 90 new locomotives. Yeah, for and, this country. And including, and I thought I was very excited to hear how many of those are electric uh, locomotives. Yeah, we we for, yeah we forget that, it, and and in terms of air pollution and so on, why an electric motive? Well, that's just uh, uh, a wonderful thing. And uh, but Randy, what would it do to get you back on a passenger train here at at uh, your point in the world? As a matter of fact, we had to deliver an item of furniture to Baltimore, and Jeannie and I were talking about taking the train back, renting a truck one way and riding the train back home. Can we go? <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> uh, sounds great. Why, why don't you tell us, about? Forrest might know a little bit better, but wh- what are the lines that will take you to get this piece of furniture? Forrest told me we have to go through Chicago. Chicago? Yes, you will. To get out there, you probably have to go through Chicago. Where exactly is the furniture now at this point? It's it's here, here in Salida. Oh, so oh. Have to, oh have yeah, to let's, I'm, I'm going the wrong way. Where are you going to, to deliver it exactly? Let's say that. We're going to deliver the furniture to Baltimore, and then we're going to take the train home. Yeah, let me think about that. I Again, I don't see how you can... So I got to get yeah. from Baltimore to Denver. Yeah, I think you're going to have to go through Chicago. I was just looking <laughs> yeah. at that. Uh, by the way, the California Zephyr, which is the train that you'll take westbound uh, out of uh, Chicago. Uh, gosh, that's a super train. Uh, where can I just uh, chatted with the conductor on that train not long ago? And they have refurbished it a lot. They've refurbished the dining car. They've and and um, so I think you'll like that. I would say this: think of it as a yacht cruise. Think of think of it as as a vacation. Uh, uh, and uh, 
go ahead and buy yourself a bedroom. Why not? Uh, you know, hey, we're, you only live once or twice if you're a Buddhist or three times. Anyway, <laughs> only once or, once or twice. So uh, I do that. Well, let's, okay, we're running out of time here to hear more from our, we've been doing all the talking, Randy, which we tend to do and we shouldn't. But um, what else would you like to say about your railroad experience and, and, and or life in general or whatever? <clears throat> well, I'd like to say where I started. I started with my adventure because I was afraid that I would lead a boring life, and I haven't. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Turned out I was wrong. I was 18 years old and chomping at the bit. And the long and short of it is that life gives you, brings adventures your way, whether you look for them or not. Oh, very good. Very oh, boy. Good. Very good. All right. Our guest there, uh, Randall Herrick Stair, who, by the way, is a practicing attorney. You could talk to him if you fall off of that Amtrak train coming back. No, no, no. <laughs> you won't do that. You won't do that. No. And uh, we just have a couple minutes left here for us. And I wanted to uh, revisit the Amtrak trains and what uh, your friend Conductor Brad has told us is that they have or are either working on the dining experience to bring it up. And the things that he had to share about that were very, very interesting. They're trying to bring the dining service on rail cars up because at one point it was a very high-end thing. Very, very good food, very, very good service. And it's deteriorated from that through COVID, through time, but they're trying to bring it up to the new modern standard. And uh, I've, I found that, that part very interesting that they're working on it. So you will eat well. All right, here's what well, let's suggest. They get out in Baltimore uh, on their way to Chicago. They get um, probably a roomette, probably a roomette with an upper and a lower berth would, would be enough because they're not going to wander around much. And they, they sample the food in that dining car all the way. Yep. Then in Chicago, they change to the California Zephyr. Again, sampling that food. And when Conductor Brad gets on, you can say, hey, Conductor Brad, we just were uh, on, on the rails at KHEN 106.9 FM. And uh, we heard that, that, that we've got some special dining ahead of us and see what he says. Yeah. Very good. Very good. It's almost time to wrap up, but I want to encourage uh, your listeners for us that are listening at khen.org. We have a donate button on that website. Go to that donate button, become a member, become a, a one-time donation. We accept donations of any size. Let's close this thing out for us. That keeps on the rails on the rails. Yes. Yeah. All right. At the top, at the count of three, all three of us are going to say highball, but our railroad listeners, oh, including a woman I just ran into on the street who says, I heard your show and I, I'm planning my rail trip on the basis of the things that you guys just said. Randy, did you have any last words or should we just, you know, all right, oh, okay. you've done them. Okay. All right. Let's do the big highball. Lean our heads out the window. Get, get the fusee lit. Let's get that engineer awake up there. Let's get re ready to pull that throttle. One, two, three. Eyeball! Eyeball! Eyeball.
Cahen is sponsored in part by Soulcraft Brewing, Salida's hometown brewery, offering a large selection of traditional and seasonal craft beers. Their spacious patio features cozy fire pit tables for outdoor warmth on chilly days. Fresh food is served daily at the Soul Shack food truck, featuring snacks like wings and pretzels, and full meals like sandwiches, burgers, and a delicious brunch on Sunday. Soulcraft is open daily for happy hour, lunch, and dinner.